It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. BlessYouBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. I'm your host, Brandon Day. I'm the manager of BlessYouBoys.com. I've um, got a couple of good guests tonight. We're going to talk a little bit of Austin Meadows. We're going to talk about the Rays. Um, with us from, well, we've got Ashley McLennan, who is from everywhere. Of course, first of all, my co-host, <laughs> who writes for D-Rays Bay, as well as Bless You Boys, among other sites. Ashley, how are we doing tonight? Well, you know, not bad. I got some cherry flavored tea because it's supposed to be spring outside. So that's what I'm rocking. Yeah, supposed to. And then we've also got Brett Rutherford from D-Rays Bay with us. We got Ashley to, to round up some of the mightiest blogging posse in the land working for the Rays. How's it going tonight, Brett? Good. And I'm following the live game cast for the Durham Bulls game because it's a game that I guess finally matters that's like back. But there's no TV feed that I can find. So I am just following the numbers on the screen. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, that's it's still it's still live baseball. It's pro American baseball going on. Toledo Mudhens started tonight. It's kind of weird that the Triple A season starts and yeah. nobody else starts till Friday. It kind of screwed with everybody uh, and their their pitching setup this week. Um, the Tigers and the Orioles just canceled the last game of Grapefruit League um, for Wednesday and said, "Forget it, we're going north." So there we go. Due to lack of pitching, I think, was the issue. They were just like, no, we've got no arms. No <laughs> arms left. So sorry. These are two teams that know something about having a lack of arms. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the Tigers obviously made a pretty big trade. Um, I don't know how you guys view it from your end, but um, we're pretty happy to have Austin Meadows. Um, I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of rumors that he was going to get dealt. Um, the Rays have some outfield depth and they've got, uh, oh, what's his face? Uh, who's your prospect that's coming? Josh Lowe. Am I right? Joshua, yeah. It's always a low or a low with you guys, inevitably. <laughs> we collect them like Pokemon. Yeah. Well, now you guys have two meadows, so. Yeah, yes. Yep. Yep. We had an Aaron Haas pitch in today's game, who I didn't even know was in our farm system somewhere. So we've got a pair of Haases now, too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, Brett, what did, you, uh, what did you think when the trade went down? Were you expecting something there? I mean, I wasn't expecting something this late in the spring. Like, I thought if Meadows was going to be traded, he would have been traded by now. Um, but the fact that it came in, like, late last night, um, it, I, I'm not shocked that he was traded. I'm just kind of shocked by the timing of it this close to opening day. I was a little shocked by the return. Like, I like Isak Paredes. I think he could be a good major league player. I just thought there would be a bigger market for Meadows. Mm-hmm. And, it's, you know, I'll, I'll stay honest. I've never been the biggest Austin Meadows fan on, like, my own podcast. I don't think he's a bad player. Um, I just like cringe at watching him play in left field. I do think <laughs> that uh, he's probably for a team like the Tigers, and, and I mean no offense, that's like in a rebuild, clearly, a very good bat that you can throw right in the middle of your lineup and you know, maybe in a somewhat weakened AL Central can you know, push to compete this season. Yeah. 
Yeah, for the Tigers, it all is going to come down to the young pitching and Spencer Torkelson and hopefully Riley Green showing up. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess from our end, just to see the Tigers be active uh, when Riley Green went down and go out and get a left-handed bat. Uh, we've been talking about this. There really aren't very many left-handed starting pitchers in the AL Central in general. Um, you know, you're looking at like Dallas Keuchel and, you know, a couple other guys. There's really not much there. So they really needed that left-handed bat in there. And we're pretty used to seeing terrible defense in the outfield, Ashley. So <laughs> he'll yeah, right absolutely. <laughs> we had Nick Castellanos out there for how long? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've had. Uh, we've... And that was our biggest name for a while. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Even when we have somebody fast, you know, even Akil and Derek Hill like didn't grade out very well last year, surprisingly. So no, I think the the biggest advantage Meadows brings to the lineup is the extra pop in the bat. Because I know we talked about it, and having some extra power in the lineup was kind of a wish list item. Um, and I didn't think that there were going to be a lot of big bats out there that the Tigers could target that would kind of give a little bit of extra to that lineup. But I think they did really well with Meadows. Um, I think one of the biggest problems will be if they actually do manage to secure a wild card spot. He is not notorious for being very helpful in the postseason. Oh, yeah. um, so <laughs> uh, watch out there. But um, small in sample, season, small sample. <laughs> yeah. In yeah, well, he does have quite a bit of a sample size there because the Rays have actually successfully made it quite a few <laughs> years in a row. Um, so yeah, he's he's not my favorite there, but I mean, if he can help the Tigers get to that point, then God, he can be benched. I don't care um, because he's he's going to be an improvement over Paredes as far as I'm concerned. Um, and the thing that I like about this, as a dual fan of both teams, is that I just know that there's something in Isak Paredes that we didn't see. Because <laughs> that's exactly what the Rays do. That's exactly what this move is. He's got some sneaky skill that somebody in that team has seen. And they're like, yeah, we'll take that guy at, at a one-for-one one value, which is kind of surprising to me. Because um, I was expecting, like Brett, that the return might be a little bit more yeah. um, for Meadows. Um, so, yeah, I'm... I couldn't help but expect that there would be some pitching prospect that you guys threw yeah. in that I would be like, oh, no, not that guy. No, no. We have a joke. guy that none of us have ever heard of. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, the the Rays got him. Uh, Like they do that a lot. The other thing though is there is the draft pick that's moving, and I think that is something to note. We don't see a whole lot of this. It's like a new thing where you can trade the competitive round uh, picks, like those sandwich picks. That's a like a pick, like a player that is is drafted in that area is going to sign for anywhere from like two to five million dollars. Like that is a a valuable selection and it's something that maybe if the Rays just didn't have any other prospects that they loved in the tiger system the one that they wanted yeah, I, th- I think that was a big part of it okay we'll get to pick you know somebody that we want in the next draft they've got like four picks in the top 75 yeah. um, and the Rays you know historically haven't drafted super well since like the days where they drafted um, you know, Evan Longoria and David Price back-to-back. They haven't had a to- whole lot of great first and second round picks. Um, but in recent years, it seems like they've been doing a little bit better. And so I'm kind of interested to see what they use that pick on. And, you know, eventually we'll see maybe five, six years from now what this trade really ends up being Yeah. Um, once that player either makes it to the majors or, or doesn't. Yeah, but it always takes a lot of time. And, and I think it, it's a comp B pick, so it's really only going to be like 
a million dollar slot value. I don't think it'll be the okay. cafe. So, I mean, it's not a super valuable pick, but I could definitely see to the Rays it being more valuable than it would be to the Tigers. I mean, you're going to see some teams stockpile these picks like this. I'm sure, you know, the Pirates have, have kind of tried to do a little bit of that. Um, the Rays make a lot of sense. Although when you guys draft somebody and it doesn't work out, you always seem to manage to flip them for someone who does. So it's just, uh, there's a whole like, I'm sure this is the same way for most fan bases, but we have a joke. So it's like, how do you evaluate your farm system? You try to make a trade with the Rays and see who they ask for. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The other thing I'll say about Austin Meadows is you look at his numbers from this past season and the, like, the WRC plus dropped. Uh, it came up from 2020, which was like a weird COVID year that I think that we should all forget about. Austin Meadows had COVID. He was dealing with injuries. He didn't look himself. He looked like maybe he was a little bit out of shape really struggled in the outfield like mm -hmm. that's the true austin meadows like in terms of defense i mean he is a liability he was not that in 2021 he wasn't good don't get me wrong he was probably yeah. a, a below average outfielder but the bat carries him what the rays did with him though is they didn't platoon him and the rays are kind of known for their you know they, they'll mix and match the lineup they never throw the same lineup out twice yeah they left him in against left-handed pitching which he really struggles against and oftentimes they would hit him third in the lineup huh. you look at the numbers uh, Rays, the Rays had like the lowest WRC plus out of the three hole than any other team in baseball. And the reason they did that is you'd have Meadows hitting third against a left-handed pitcher. You'd go righty, righty, lefty, righty. And that way, late in the game, they can't bring in a, a righty like mm -hmm. to, to face three, three straight right-handed hitters. And the Rays kind of bit the bullet and say, okay, we're going to struggle there. Either Brandon or Austin Meadows or Brandon Lau is going to struggle against lefties, but we're going to stick them in the middle of that order because late in the game, we want them hitting opposite Randy Rosarena, Wander Franco, yeah. Montreux, whoever else was in there. And so I'm interested to see, like, I mean, do you guys think the Tigers, based on their current roster construction, will be able to platoon him more and put him in better opportunities to where, like, his full season numbers look good? Because the numbers against righties were incredible last season. Yeah. I think it's going to be it's going to be tricky. Um, and then we also have the possibility that when Riley Green comes back, then you've got, like, you know, Robbie Grossman's a, a switch hitter, but, you know, you want against a right-hander, we'd want Akil Badu, we'd want Riley Green, we'd want Robbie Grossman, and we want Austin Meadows. And the real problem in our lineup is, um, and I hate to say it, but it's Miguel Cabrera, Miguel Cabrera you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that there's just that immovable object um, there that, you know, I, I can imagine that sometime once he gets 3,000 hits, A.J. Hinch is going to be able to start, you know, trimming back his ABs a little bit, but he's still going to be in there a lot. So there's there's going to be a bit of difficulty with that. Uh, I, I kind of suspect that at least for now, they're just going to play Meadows every day, you know, maybe sit him against a particularly tough lefty when we see one. Um, but, you know, like I said earlier, we, you know, we've been taking a look around the AL Central and I mean, there just really aren't that many lefties there. Obviously, that's only a, a certain amount of teams that we're going to play. But um, but the Tigers got just walloped by the Central. Like it didn't matter. Um, the Royals, you know, the Guardians, everybody beat us up last year. Um, and that was a big you know, a big reason why they started out as bad as they did um, going nine and 24 to start with and then finishing over 500 the rest of the way. So, you know, it might not be too big of a problem. It, it's definitely not like the perfect fit. Um, but as far as a trade, it, it kind of is. It's it's that trade where you guys had an extra player and we had a guy who, you know, really needs to, to play in the majors and, and start getting some plate appearances there regularly and, and see if he can kind of figure it out. Um, I, you know, I, I liked Paredes when we got him. I just, I just have found that you know, his approach and his swing haven't really changed since he was, you know, really good as a teenager already in at the double A level. Um, the plate discipline is there for sure. He's got pretty good hands. Um, you know, he just has a tendency to, to let himself fall behind in counts. 
and then settle to just for just flicking a breaking ball, you know, somewhere for a single. Um, I do think there's an approach change that, that could be, you know, put in play there. Um, and he probably could use a bit of a swing change too. his, his hands get pretty disconnected from his body. Um, doesn't drive the ball in the air as much as you'd like for, you know, a, a guy who doesn't have particularly good raw power. He, he, he needs to pull the ball in the air um, to play third base in, in the major leagues with any regularity. And, you know, maybe this will be that sort of wake up call for him because I just haven't really seen a whole lot in the past couple of years that suggested anyone was getting through to him. And, you know, the Ron Garden hire managed Tigers weren't really yeah. trying to get through to anyone. <laughs> so it's really only one year that we've had an actual, you know, good coaching staff that I had some faith in. So, yeah, I think, you know, there's also that factor, too. And he's, he's still, what, 23, almost 24. Yeah, there's probably still some something there. I'm kind of interested, like, I don't know, you know, not to get too much into the Rays here, but like, I don't know what his fit is on the Rays roster. You've got Yanni Diaz who has a similar profile mm-hmm. that's probably, you know, is definitely a better big league hitter today. Yeah. Um, so he's not going to replace him unless there's a Yanni Diaz injury or trade. You've got Taylor Walls, who's an amazing glove. That's the direct understudy to Wander Franco. Um, you've traded Joey Wendell, but, you know, it sounds like Paredes is going to be a third baseman. He's not going to play second over Brandon Lau. Yeah. You've got G. Montroy and Yanni Diaz at first. So I'm not sure what the fit is now. But that kind of says to me that the Rays do really want to invest in this in this player. I think they, they do like the profile. I think Eric Nieder alluded to today when he was asked, he said, you know, we really like the bat speed. We really like what we do. And we we want to, you know, tinker with some things while he's in AAA. And, you know, their season started today. I'm sure he'll be he'll be in Durham or wherever they're playing at tonight uh, at some point this week. And, I, and I'm interested to see kind of one where they're playing him because tonight Vidal Brujan's at third. That's another Rays oh, top yeah. prospect that we, we don't right. really know where he fits on the big league roster so how they play those guys um, but Paredes is a guy that I, I'd like to see get some more consistent time in the big leagues I just don't see it happening this year with the Rays unless there's a, a significant injury yeah yeah that is kind of tricky because I mean I think that's it you know he, he needs to try to change some things and just really you know either wasn't motivated to do so here or didn't you know didn't have it put to him the right way and the Rays are obviously really good at that um, you guys are notorious for uh, you know a little swing change with someone all of a sudden they're good and then you flip them um, I was kind of, yeah, I mean, you know, for all I know, you guys could turn, you know, Isaac Paredes into a better player than Austin Meadows in a trade tomorrow for all we know. So yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to have well, to see he, how this all plays out. Neil Solons was teasing that this might lead to something else that I don't know what you really, he was kind of saying it'll all make sense. Just I, wait. I think he was talking about the Josh Lowe call up originally uh, when he first put that out, uh, you yeah. know, Michael Conforto still unsigned. Michael Conforto kind of just seems like a, you know, a like for like substitution for Austin Meadows, just maybe a better player, slightly better. Um, and he's still a free agent, uh, but it wouldn't like, unless you wanted like a one-year deal, I don't know if the Rays, I don't know what their interest level is. I mean, I'm sure they'd love to have him, but in yeah. terms of like working out the dollars, I, but I think Neil was alluding to the Josh Lowe call-up. He that would make that more news, sense. Yeah. Like well, minutes later. Well, and then they, what they extended uh, Manny Margot today too, right? Like they, they bought out his last, was that a buyout of, of his last two RB years or something, or did they, they extend him? They bought out the last Arb year okay. and the first free agent year. Oh, uh, yeah. And then a mutual option for a third, an, another year on top of that, which is mutual options is something that a ra- the Rays have like never done in the last like almost 20 years. <laughs> um, and so that was interesting because, you know, some most people I don't think saw this as a money dump by the Rays. And oftentimes when you see the Rays trade an all-star, that's the initial reaction. That's, that's not what happened with Austin Meadows. You've got a top prospect like Josh Lowe that the Rays really like that didn't have a fit on the roster. You had too many left-handed hitters and, and even in the outfield. So yeah. you 
you weren't going to get a, 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 any value out of trading a guy like Kevin Kiermaier unless you ate his entire salary. Brett Phillips, we know him, we love him. He's not going to get this type of value on the trade market. No. Yeah. So you trade an Austin. In Meadows, where you can get a guy like Paredes, where even if he's not, you know, gonna, you know, bust into the opening day lineup, is a guy that you like, plus a draft pick. You can bring Josh Lowe up. Uh, but there were some people that were saying, oh, this is an easy way to shave off three and a half million dollars from their payroll. Well, then they turn around and sign another guy that played less than Austin Meadows last year yeah. to a $19 million extension. It was clearly not the Rays shedding salary. And, I, and, and they've done that before. Like, I'm not gonna try to sit here and defend the Rays. They've done that before. That's not what this was, though. Yeah, it's such a small amount of money. Um, I, yeah. We were kind of laughing because uh, who was I think it was Al Avila, our general manager, was was talking uh, about Chris Illich, the team president, and how thankful he was that he authorized this deal. We're like, oh, all the largesse to allow you know three point five million dollars to come onto the payroll at this point in the season, you know, for a former All Star. Yeah, it's not. A, it was not a big money deal. Um, I, I don't. I don't really see money as having too much to do with it either. Um, yeah, I mean, I do kind of want to talk about the race because I just, you know, like vaguely have some questions going into the year. Like, what do you guys, I mean, how are you feeling about the starting rotation right now with Glass now out of there? I mean, I, I, I like Shane McClanahan a lot, and I know you guys got Shane Baz coming, and, you know, there's probably like four or five other guys I'm not even thinking of. I'd be curious to see, I think a lot will depend on how Corey Kluber does, because um, mm-hmm. I keep forgetting that they signed him, like yeah. that, that he's there, and that could be a really like big boon for the team, although I don't know that they're counting on him to be, like, I mean, Corey Kluber could turn out to be what Chris Archer was last year, and I think that the team would still be okay. Um, I would obviously prefer to see Tyler Glass now still in the lineup. I don't think that anybody's suggesting that the rotation is what it was starting day last year. Um, yeah. But I, th- I think that there's enough talent coming up um, that I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> well, and you guys always have the bullpen to like, yeah, like someone like Kluber, you could probably, you know, kind of limit him, make sure he never goes, you know, very deep into an outing. Um, and he, you know, he looked surprisingly good to me last year. I mean, I, I've always been a, like, since he was like 18 years old, I've been a big fan of Luis Patino. So I'm, I don't know. I'm, I don't know how you guys are feeling about him right now, but whoa, the stuff is good. <laughs> Fits you guys perfectly. Perfect. Race yeah. I think people forget about Luis Patino. Yeah. Yeah. I think people forget, like almost not forget about him. Like he was the, the main piece in that Blake Snell trade, but then you have Shane McClanahan burst onto the scene. You see what Shane Boggs can do towards the end of last year. And you think these are the guys that are going to lead us, you know, lead our rotation. But Luis Patino, he was kind of up and down. You know, it wasn't clear what his role was. Hmm. This year, he's going to be in the rotation day one, and it's going to be up to him whether or not he sticks there. And I really like his stuff. The Rays clearly like his stuff. They were willing to trade a former Cy Young Award winner yeah. to get him in that deal. And I think that that happens with the Rays a lot. Like you get, you know, hyper fixated on a couple of players, and you forget, oh, they also have this other really good young player like a Luis Patino. Ryan Yarbrough, another interesting one. Yeah, I truly believe Ryan Yarbrough, and I say this in the the nicest possible way, is a league average pitcher. He's an average pitcher. An average, I think, is often associated with like not good. Yeah. When if you've got a, like a team full of average guys, you probably can have a good shot at making the postseason. Yep. And Ryan Yarbrough last year, I think, like lagged behind a little bit, um, but he's added some to his fastball in spring training. He can still generate that soft contact, and a lot of people. Uh, we're out on him last year, but I'm interested to see what he does in a, in a bounce back season. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, another interesting guy for you guys who, who bounced around for years and has finally found a home is Francisco Mejia. So, you know, there was a lot of talk when he was, you know, a young prospect that he wouldn't make it as a catcher, you know, that the skills just weren't going to be there. And, you know, at the, the Indians at the time were moving him, you know, to third base and trying all these things. He goes to San Diego, 
kind of starts to work out. And then all of a sudden, you know, the catching skills seem to have, have developed somehow in the interim and he's actually not looking bad behind there. You know, Zunino's obviously got it, got it on lock for the most part, but um, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good backup catcher you have there who could possibly, you know, DH quite a bit for you guys. If you, if you needed it at some point. I think that's the biggest thing is that Zunino is the guy and there's no more pressure on Francisco Mejia to live up to that like top prospect billing. He can play, you know, one out of every three or four games. You know, he's a good switch hitter. He's got good plate discipline. And the glove was what a lot of people were worried about. And, and Ashley, I mean, you know, I watched a lot of games. I just didn't, I didn't see, I wasn't worried about his glove at any point. No. Like it looked like he was capable. I'm not saying he's a gold glover, but he looked like he was capable. He wasn't making mistakes. He looked like he had a good rapport with the pitching staff. He's a guy that... I think, you know, if you look at Zanino and Mejia together, that's probably the best catching tandem in baseball. I well, could be wrong, but... I think that, that having Zanino there as your everyday guy can only be beneficial because I think what we've really seen is that Zanino took a career that was kind of on a downward, like, trajectory, leaving the Mariners. And I don't think people thought that there was much left in his tank. And he's turned it into, like, a really nice second wind yeah. of his career with the Rays, like, proving himself to be a really stellar home run hitter who would have seen that coming uh, and just like a really like reliable everyday kind of catcher. And I think that's the exact kind of like leadership that you need for a guy like Mejia. I think it's good to see that every day, especially with young pitchers um, to kind of see how those roles and that pairing is developed. So I, I think it's a really stellar kind of pairing for behind the dish to have those two. Yeah. And just to get to, you know, to get, I'm just going to like, absolutely like just pour on the praise for the Rays, but you know, to get to a place that's really good at, at developing people when they get to the major leagues, you know, the Padres have had some stacked farm systems and it, and it really hasn't come to pass for them. And, you know, obviously, you know, some of that is just the horrific injuries to Fernando Tatis Jr. And some other, some other things that are unforeseeable, but they haven't really been able to make anybody better. And, yeah, I mean, if you can do that, you know, there's just always value available and the Rays always seem to find it. So, yeah, it seems like that's working for him for him pretty well. I mean, when you guys look at the um the AL East right now, you know, I've you know, we're already seeing I mean, we've already seen DeGrom go down in the Central, you know, we've seen Lance Lynn's probably out for 2 months. Um Chris Sale, Sale just went down for a 60 day. Yeah, know. with a rib injury. It, and it just feels like the short um run up to the season is just going to and it's always kind of a bloodbath this time of year. This is sort of like when the baseball gods reap the harvest of arms before the season starts. But it seems like we're in for maybe even a worse one than, than normal, the way things are headed. But um, yeah, I mean, when you guys look at the Yankees and, and the Blue Jays in particular, what do you um, what do you think the Rays can do against them? I think the Blue Jays, if I had to pick, are slight favorites over the Rays this year. Um, like within that margin of error, right? Like I'm not saying the Blue Jays are 100% going to win the division. But I will say, like, I know we like to pick fun of the Yankees, and I do it all the time, especially once the season starts. <laughs> they still have a very good lineup and a pretty good starting rotation. The question yeah. with their pitching is health, and it's, like, never guaranteed, and you always can count on injuries to happen to your pitching staff. If they can manage to stay healthy on both the position player side and the pitching side, I mean, that's a team that's capable of winning the AL East. And I think a lot of people, a lot of Yankee haters don't like to admit that. Uh, but I like the moves they made. I like Isaiah Carter for a lot. Yeah. I think he's had terrible defense the last couple of years, and he is one of the best in the league. Um, so to add him and have him at shortstop, I think is maybe not the big splash move that Yankees fans wanted, um, but it's a move that will make their team better. Uh, you've got Kyle Higashioka that's going to play full-time behind the plate. Again, another defensive upgrade over Gary Sanchez. You don't have to worry about playing him every day. Yeah. John Carlos Stan can kind of slot into that DH role. 
You've got Joey Gallo. I mean, yeah, Donaldson now, like it's yeah. a yeah. very interesting combo. Rizzo, uh, yeah, that's a uh, yeah. That's yeah. Some tough I there. choose not to give the Yankees any credit, even though Brett <laughs> absolutely <laughs> makes every valid point, and they have a very good team. Um, I choose to go with the curse that Cashman blames on the 2017 postseason um, <laughs> that the Astros have kept them from going to any further postseasons, and I hope that continues. Um, I do think the Jays are going to be a bit of a menace. I think if those guys can stay healthy they've got such a young talented core of players um they're going to be a heck of a lot of fun to watch um and a heck of a thorn in my side as a Rays fan (laughs) yeah um and i i don't think that the rays are going to struggle to be good like i think there's a top two or three finish guaranteed based on that league um the division i should say um, I don't know that it's going to be an easy cakewalk to number one. Again, I think that there are two other very, very good teams um, that are going to pose a real challenge to them. So I think it's going to be some combo of the the Rays, Jays, and Yankees yeah. in that top three there. I always think, you know, I mean, the Yankees kind of remind me of the White Sox where it's always like it looks really good on paper and it never seems to add up, you know, to, to what it could be. And part of that is just depth. I'm sure, you know, they just – if the Yankees do have a couple injuries in the, you know, the pitching department, they're in huge trouble. Whereas you guys could probably absorb that um, in Tampa and, and still put together a pretty good, you know, a pretty good pitching staff. And, and that weakness defensively for the Yankees, the past couple of years has only exacerbated that problem because they couldn't just go, you know, find themselves a sinker baller for, you know, a couple starts and, and, and try to try to work with it that way. Um, it's just a little bit, you know, it's always just a little bit on the edge there when you consider the size of the payroll, the depth just, just isn't that impressive. Whereas the Blue Jays, I, I'm just going to have a hard time not kind of rooting for them because I like too many of their players. Like, that's a fun team. Um, you know, we're going to see Manoa. You know, I, I've always been a big fan of Nate Pearson. If he gets it going there, that's going to be a problem. And then, yeah, you know, Vladdy. Vladdy Bobachette, Lords Gurriel. I mean, they of, still have George guys. Springer. Like, it's yeah. a crazy team. Yeah. I have a hard time not rooting for them. They've got Charlie Montoya, who was in our, you know, raised minor league manager oh, yeah. for, for, you know, the entirety of the franchise and then became the bench coach and third base coach. And I love Charlie Montoya. I know Blue Jays fans, like, aren't the biggest fans from what I've seen online of Charlie Montoya. I don't know if they, it's like his managing style. I don't know what it is. Or, to, if, it, or if it's like his bongos that he plays in the clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I've never, like, you know, I never really had any ill will towards the Blue Jays until the whole, like, uh, you know, card stealing thing last year with Kevin oh, yeah. Meyer. They plunked him the next. That was just kind of weird. That was um, weird, yeah. I, I hope we just move past it because, they're, like, they plunked Kevin Kiermeyer the next day. The Rays didn't retaliate. Thank God. I hope they don't try to do it this year the first time they play. It wouldn't shock me. Sometimes you have a guy go rogue. But, yeah, yeah. I, I won't root. I, the two teams I don't, like – Actively hate in the AL East are Toronto and, and Baltimore, but this year yeah. we, we won't really have to worry about Baltimore. No, but, no, well, it'll be a long time before I think we ever have to worry about Baltimore. Unfortunately for the Orioles fans, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Jays only because I'm Canadian and watching the like early '90s teams is the reason I started watching baseball in the first place. So, um, you know, I, I want good things for them as long as it's not at the expense of the Rays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can root for them a little bit. Um, yeah, Brian Cashman needs to worry about the, um, you know, the unsigned documents, you know, implicating them in their own sign stealing scandal. Maybe that's where the curse is coming from, Brian Cashman. <laughs> yeah, could be, could be a self, self-fulfilling prophecy. 
Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I think we can kind of wrap it up. I just wanted to do kind of a quick one on, on Meadows and Paredes and um, see how you guys were feeling as the season winds up. I wrote like four articles today. Some about bushed already. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Brett, thanks very much for coming on. Um, if I can ever return the favor, you know, have us have some bless your boys people down there. Feel free to give us a ring and uh, thanks a lot for coming on, man. Yeah. I'd love to next time raising tigers play this season. I, I'd love to have, have you on Brandon. Thanks for having me tonight. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we'll do a little preview thing, perhaps. And uh, yeah, see how things are going at that point. It shouldn't be too long. I can't remember when we when we actually meet up with you guys. I think it's not till June, though. But yeah. I've got no clue. Yeah, I mean, I should know, but I don't. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that the season is only three days away and I'm exhausted already. <laughs> Last couple of weeks have been wild. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks very much. You both have a good night and we'll talk to you later on. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah. Bye bye.